Get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. The F1 schedule is heating up. Will you go with the O, Reliable, and Max Verstappen, or... Take your chance with a potential surprise. Download the app in Ontario. Use the QR code you see at the bottom of your screen somewhere. Or head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Write reviews. It really helps us grow the show. If you want more from me, you can get me on social media at Tim Haraney. When he's not out uh, designing landscapes, is that right, Daly? I got a good setup here. <laughs> it's incoming. Yeah, that, that would be like landscaping. I, I'm like, I, I work in the civil engineering field, so sort of close, close, but not quite. <laughs> when he's not out civil engineering or crushing you podcasts, <laughs> you can catch him on Sky Sports UK. It's uh, Mr. Mark Daly all the way over from Scuderia F1 Pod. What's up, man? Thanks very much for doing this. Um, yeah, tell me what's going on with the uh, Sky Sports UK thing. Oh, yeah. So um, tomorrow morning, I'll be doing a quick hit with them at uh, nice. about uh, 3.30 GMT, which will be, what, about uh, 10.30 um, Eastern Time, 7.30 Pacific Time. So if you got access to Sky Sports uh, UK via legitimate reasons, check it out. Uh, uh, you know, not quite so legit reasons. You know, the, the, that you didn't hear that from, from me. But, uh, yeah, check it out if you can. It should be good, man. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's jump into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We'll start with, uh, ah, let's just start with the sprint race um, that we saw on Saturday. Sprint uh, shootout that happened at 4 a.m. Uh, Eastern, which would have been uh, 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Pacific for yourself. Were you up for that? I mean, I was. Oh, doggy. I, I tried to, but the last two weeks have been insanely crazy. I actually crashed pretty early on Friday night, so I, I did get up until watch it till like I was having my, my coffee on Saturday morning. Otherwise, normally <laughs> on a Friday night, I'm a bit of a night person. I totally would have stayed up and watched it, but uh, this time Mark needed a little bit of beauty rest, I'm afraid. <laughs> Mark I don't know needed if it helps. His... I, don't, I don't know if it helps, but <laughs> Mark needed his sleep. Uh, yeah. So Verstappen and Russell. I mean, I think for myself in the sprint race, that was one of the biggest takeaways uh, from it. Obviously, the entire motorsports world saw that Verstappen calling uh, uh, Russell a D head as he uh, walked away on live television. So classy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Max. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I, what did you make of that situation? I mean, for on my side, like, look, Max should stop complaining. Like, that's that's just good. That's just good hard racing. Seriously. I agree. Totally, I agree. I agree. I mean, it was it was maybe a little kind of a lunge, but I mean, he was pretty much alongside him, and and we've learned enough from George Russell that. He's like he, he's not going to back off an inch if he thinks uh, you know he's got the advantage you know on the attack and in defending as well. I mean he's there to race, man, and I, I didn't think anything was what was dirty about it. I think it was just a racing incident, and you know I, I think Max just has to get uh, used to the fact that just because he's reigning double world champion doesn't mean that anybody's going to cut him some slack. I think because he's reigning world champion and a two-time world champ in a Red Bull. I think he's got a big target on his back that he's the one that everybody else in the field is, is trying to catch, right? So extra Absolutely. motivation for George. Yeah, for sure. I talked about this on the SDPN uh, social media channel on Saturday where it's like, you know, if we take a look at how this thing actually went 
down. I mean, both of them as the lights go out coming into turn one, they're they're literally side by side as they're coming through turn one, and that is essentially a drag race down to turn two. And like I think like you know Max gave George a you know a bit of room, um, but at the same time, I mean George is also on the inside, and mm-hmm. his his right front wheel is pretty close to i would say verstappen's almost his steering angle so i mean at the end of the day in my opinion that's still that's russell's corner yeah uh and then again you're coming out of two to have a bit of contact that's where some damage gets done and then heading down to three it's a drag race again though russell outbreaking verstappen and Russell pulling ahead as he's going towards the apex. So again, Russell's corner. My thing is, is that you know it. It's like the the old Ayrton Senna saying, you know, if you're if you're not going to go for a gap, then you're you're not a racing driver, right? Yeah. What, like, what do you do in there? Every single driver on that grid, Mark, would do the same thing. Swap positions, right? Like Max would have done it too. You're telling me that well, he of wouldn't? course <laughs> he would have fought. He would have fought just as hard for that one. Like you say, I mean, they were virtually alongside. George had the inside line. It wasn't like the tip of like George's front wing was level with Max's rear tire. I mean, they were virtually side by sides. George had the inside of the line to the corner. One of them could have like given like could have lifted a little bit, but they didn't. And I, I think that it was just the result of two guys fighting for mm-hmm. every literal millimeter on the track there. George comes out in front, so that that sets him up nicely for turn three. There's a bit of contact there, and and obviously Max gets a little bit of damage to the floor. But then again, if you're not there to race, if you're not there to to, to fight for each and every position in each and every corner. What are you doing there? I mean, you should be doing something else. You're not yeah. cut out to be a racing driver, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, look, I understand. I understand. Like, Max is fighting for a drivers' championship, and and look, I I like both of these drivers. You know, they're generational well, talents. You know, but both of them, you know, generational talents. Um, I just think that if this had been, you know a reverse in roles, Max would have, I, I think Max would have done the exact same thing. Like, let's say he's not even in the championship. Like, we've seen him do moves that were like, <laughs> oh, doggy. Oh, so, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I would have done it. Anyone would have done Any professional racing driver would have would have done what, what George did. It's just good hard racing. Um, well, well, let me throw this at you. George hasn't had the greatest car compared to Max the last season in a bit. If these two guys had similar machinery underneath them, this would be something we would be seeing a lot more. Oh, I'm yeah. just going to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great point. Uh, it, was, it was funny listening to... Uh, uh, Christian Christian Horner about all this towards the end, um, you know, because it was something that Max had made mention that, you know, if he's going to remember, I'm paraphrasing, he's going to remember this for next time sort of thing. And Christian Horner sort of playing into it, saying that Verstappen was like an elephant. He doesn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, what did you think of the uh, race? What did you think of the weekend format? Personally, like I liked everything up until the sprint race. I found everything pretty entertaining. Like, I was entertained Friday and then half a Saturday, and then the race kind of, eh. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that they've maybe kind of found the evolution or the combination of formats that works for a sprint weekend, where you have your qualifying on Friday, then you have your sprint shootout qualifying on uh, and then you have the the sprint race itself i mean kind of treated in its own separate entity from the grand prix itself have your qualifying as usual that works the shortened uh, sprint shootout qualifying sprint race grand prix on saturday yeah i mean the, the grand prix itself i mean baku has been so chaotic ever since we went there in what 2016 for the european grand prix or whatever they called it then yeah i mean we've seen a lot of drama there over the years so this year a bit of a tamer race compared to historic norms but just sort of generally speaking i kind of like the flow of the weekend the sprint weekends can be a bit of a grind just with yeah. all the extra action on the track but treat the sprint separately and they, they finally decided to do that and yeah I, I think it works you know i'm i'm kind of encouraged to see i think we got like what was it one more or do we have two before the summer break i know they're kind of backloaded towards the end of the season I, uh, we know that it worked phenomenally well last year in Brazil. I mean, that track, uh, Interlagos, just seemed to really work well for, for the sprint race. So maybe the, the best is yet to come because I think we're going to see it at uh, at Coda and Austin and a couple other places. Austria as well. I forget them all because I think there's, what, six, six there are total. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's six of them for uh, the entire season. Uh, next up, oh, boy, when's the next one coming up? I think the next one will be in Imola, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think you're right, yeah. Um, and then I also, is there one in Austria as well? Yep, at the Red Bull Ring, that's yeah. uh, that's correct. Yeah. And then there's Coda, and yep. then Brazil, and then there's one other one in there that I, I can't recall right off the top of my head, so. It's, uh, you know. what would you like to see them do differently? Like what, like in your, like if they're, because they're experimenting here, right? Like F1, mm-hmm is trying to essentially make every day count so that the fan who pays for a ticket to come to the race that, you know, every day matters and they should probably be there to take advantage of it. I I like that they're trying to do stuff. I really do. Uh, do I think it needs a bit of a shakeup? I mean... Yes and no. I, I I don't necessarily think you need to reinvent the wheel or go about this in terms of you know reinventing everything for an entire season. I kind of like that they've decided to go to six sprint races. It kind of switches switches things up, which is great, and I like that. Um, what would you like to see them do? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question, right? Because I mean, for years we kind of like I mean, wh- when I was growing up, I mean, we had like a maximum of sixteen races per year. So sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. I-, I sometimes struggle to get around these longer seasons. And you know, the talk of going up to thirty. I mean, if they can maximize that, I think for me, it's just getting like like a like that that good mix of like the classic tracks and some of the a- exciting new ones. And, you know, trying out going to newer places and just getting that sort of like global representation. I- you know, I was really stoked when they came up with like the sprint qualifying or the sprint race idea a couple of years ago, but I don't think it's you know it's, it's I'm too far off the mark in saying that it, it's fallen short so mm-hmm. far. 
But this weekend, despite the fact that the race itself on Sunday wasn't too super exciting, I, I like the format that it was in general because there was uh, you know plenty of exciting things going. I mean, qualifying was pretty dramatic at times, as was the um, as was the, the the sprint race itself at times. But I mean, that's the thing of uh, just trying to find something like a format that really really works, and th- this is good. I mean, that that's the whole thing is, is finding like those magic mix of ingredients to really get uh, everybody excited and, and stoked and make Formula One be it you know at the track or at home that this is appointment viewing that I got to get down. I got to get in front of my screen and watch this. Or if, like you say, if you're at the track, you got that weekend pass, you're showing up for every single session on every single day that you're there. Yeah. I would like, I was, I was talking to a driver about this before, uh, before the start of the weekend. And, you know, they, they, they had a good idea where it was, well, why not just move, you know, everything. So why not get rid of Friday? So at the moment, what we normally do when we do go to a, a Grand Prix, so we we fly in on a Wednesday. Uh, our Thursday is usually our sit-down one-on-one interviews with with the drivers, and that's where we kind of collect a lot of our content that we're going to use a little bit later on in the season, or it's things that we're going to talk about uh, for Sports Center. And then Friday we've got our practice sessions and then saturday you've also got your practice and your qualifying on sunday your race what this driver was saying is why don't you just get rid of the friday and do your media day on your friday and do your practice qualifying on saturday and then just do your race on sunday and do something like that where if you're going to do sprints as well then why don't you just do the qualifying and the sprints on the saturday and then use that sprint race to set the grid for the Sunday. Yeah, then effect uh, basically you've got Formula One action over the course of two days rather than having to fill up the the, the, the card with other support series races and things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know, that, that that's that's a great question, right? It's like uh, how much uh, are people showing up for Formula One? How much are going there because they enjoyed the other series as well? You know, that that's that's a great question, right? I mean, yeah. when you get like the, the F2 support races or whatever yeah. it is, I mean, th- that is the, 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 the talent of tomorrow. So I guess there's a lot of arguments, you know, for it against, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. For you, know, I'm not at that pay grade, so nobody's asking me those. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's asking me those questions in, in any serious context. Not that uh, you weren't. But <laughs> yeah. um, let's jump into the Grand Prix. Sure. Uh, you know, not the greatest. You know, of races that you know we've seen um, had its moments. Uh, I don't know. Let's let's just jump right into the Verstappen Perez thing. Because most of the people who are listening or watching this, or they've already seen the race or whatever, they don't need us to recap it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you just watch highlights real quickly. So Verstappen and Perez, um, I think in that opening stint uh, for Max, you know, he he did start to really struggle with that rear tire degradation. I mean, he did say post press conference that we were on, like. Eh, you know, I wasn't really struggling with it that much, but like on the radio, man, you could hear it. You could see it in the lap time. I think he's, I think he's, uh, he's not, he's not telling everything, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just interesting to see how well Sergio was able to, um, 
maintain the tire deg this weekend as well. Like he he was good. Like obviously he's great in a sprint race, but again, like he was good in this Grand Prix. And also on top of all of that, I mean, if he didn't get kind of lucky with that safety car, I, I still think he I still think he wins this. I, I would agree with that. I mean, this is a track that that Checo just goes good on. I mean, yeah. it just it suits him very very well and i, I think that r- regardless if max was maybe st- struggling with a bit of tire deg on those rear tires I-, I think that sergio had the you know the hit the measure of him today i think that he's been there now what um well he's been there every time they've raced there he's got like yep. two wins and a podium now like three three out of six races i guess well I mean, at least yeah but i mean he he's run well every single time he's just this is a track that was made for for, for sergio perez and he just he just looks strong all weekend I like that, uh, you know, Christian Horner predicting uh, before the race that uh, whenever a car goes off, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like whenever a car goes off at this track, you know, they bring out the safety car and, mm-hmm. you know, Nick DeVries goes off <laughs> and uh, they bring out some yellow flags. And so Red Bull decides to pit Max and then all of a sudden, you get a safety car that really benefits Checo. Um, I honestly, honestly, I, I, I was surprised to hear him say that, and then have them pit Max when when they did. I mean, that car of DeVries's was clearly damaged, and mm-hmm. there was no way in hell he was backing that thing onto the track. Man, that thing was so broken i mean there was no steering like he couldn't even steer so where was he gonna go where was he gonna reverse to and i don't know i just i i just don't think it's it's fair to just simply you know say that you know he should have just backed out onto the track i mean that's a blind like coming in it's almost blind right like I mean, like he, as soon as he hit that, uh, like the like the the tech pro barrier there, you could see like that oh, that that right the f- left front tire it's towed out at like what a forty five degree angle, because like when, when I saw him initially parked there, I'm like, oh yeah, Nick uh, Nick just put it in R and you know get the heck out of there, and then I'm like I took a bit of a, a closer look, I'm like, oh wait, that left front tire, the front wheel doesn't look too good, and. I mean, I think we've had a safety car at least one every single year since this race has has gone to to, to Baku, and yeah. sometimes there there's been many of them. So it was just an inevitability that was going to happen. But you know, the the interesting part about it was that a lot of guys hit that uh, like that barrier there at that same turn, but Nick just took more of it and he paid the price because Lance did it. Mm-hmm. Who else did it? there? There was there was at least four or five uh, throughout the weekend for sure. Throughout the weekend, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He just I think he collected more of it and it really just uh yeah it was funny because i just thought like what did he do there and then we see like the different uh, replays it's like oh yeah he collected that pretty good lance's lance's was lucky like i think he he oh, got yeah. away with one there he really yeah. he really dinged it man and at the end of the day like i don't know that aston martin's almost built like a tank like <laughs> do you remember when the two of them like when lance had contact well a bit of contact with uh fernando uh, in Bahrain uh, at the opening opening lap, like no damage mm-hmm. to the car whatsoever, and then here again, like he took a big piece of that wall. That thing didn't <laughs> even bend or break. I mean, I mean that Aston Martin's uh, built tough, but at the end of the day, yeah. um, I 
really enjoyed the battle between Sergio and Max. Both drivers, you know, trading fastest laps. Both drivers um, within tenths of a second of each other with lap time. Like Sergio doing such a great job of opening the gap, maintaining the gap to make sure Max didn't get within the DRS uh, range. And I think one of the things that, you know, maybe the casual viewer might not know or see is is the fact that these two these two drivers, I mean, they really pushed each other uh, on Sunday daily. I know the race wasn't super exciting, but like from myself, from a former driver's perspective, like those two, they went back and forth on lap time. They were banging the walls. They were rubbing the walls. Oh, like yeah. They were on the limit, yeah. man. Like it was, it was good racing between those two just to, just for Sergio to keep that gap. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was a couple of times they're going to the turn 15, watching Sergio kind of like drift out and getting pr- pretty close. That's the same one that, uh, that Logan hit in the sprint race on Saturday and, you know, messed up his car uh, pretty bad. But I mean, I mean, Max as well, he was, he was all over the place, like really pushing it to the limit as well. I'm, I mean, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, it, it might not have been as obvious as some of his, like the, these big spectacular overtakes were like George versus Max during the sprint race. But just watching these two guys trying to, you know, Sergio stay out front of Max and Max trying to catch his teammate, because what was it, maybe about five or six laps from the end, I think, you know, race commentary kind of made the, uh, you know, the, the the comment, okay, Max has dropped that back to about three and a half seconds. It looks like he's conceded this one. He's going to let us uh, give his teammate uh, the, the, the victory today. And maybe Max just realized that, uh, you know, things were just, uh, you know, he didn't have the tires uh, that were, un, you know, underneath him. And, you know, just, he, he just didn't quite have enough of an edge to push that he wanted to 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 challenge his teammate yeah and max just didn't really uh i don't know in some of the press conferences like it just didn't really seem like he was all there this weekend in terms of like uh, like his normal self where he's usually very engaged and hearing what you're saying and things like that he just hmm. i don't know and then some some of his comments about um you know the sprints and you know wanting to just do away with them like he wants to go back to the you know the old ways of formula one he doesn't want to lose that dna and and what he had some comments also as well coming into the weekend you know about you know how long his career was going to be and how long was he going to be in formula one and all those kinds of things and i just found it quite interesting like his overall sort of just what it looked like from the outside perspective um yeah it just didn't he just didn't seem like he was right there this weekend like he normally is and I'll be curious to see what goes down in Miami and how that shakes out. Uh, we can touch on that in a bit, but sure. um, you know, Horner saying at the end of the race that uh, I believe it was quote unfortunate that of the timing of the safety car when it came out. I mean, I don't know if it's the right choice of words, man. Like, like one of your guys just you finished one two, and mm-hmm. one of your guys just like won the race, and you know. You, I don't see that as so un- unfortunate. And at the end of the day, I still think that Sergio was going to catch Max regardless, but it's, yeah. um, Christian's unbiased or unconscious yeah. bias towards Max slipping out there. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> it's like a six point gap between the two of them in the championship with Max That's obviously right. having yep. the lead. And like, let's just, let's just call this uh, what it is. Like if, if Sergio, if Sergio doesn't have a poor weekend in, 
Australia. The chances of him actually being tied or leading this championship at this moment, they're very good. Yeah, and that kind of like leads the question, right? Like, like how long is this allowed to be? And I'm going to use the air quotes, the inverted comments here, like a, like a title fight between them before, like you know, before Yoss starts like getting involved and you know, team, you know, like Max's management and Max himself saying like, come on, this this shouldn't be happening. This is this is my team. I'm the reigning world champion. Like, 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 what are you doing with this guy? It's like, when does like team orders become like a thing, like either yeah. spoken or unspoken that it just like Sergio just knows that, you know, I, you know, th- this, this, this is Max's team. He's our undisputed number one. He's going to get the benefit of like uh, everything here on out. Right. And I think that it's so important for Sergio to uh, maintain that, this level of consistency you know like at the moment they're two for two right like if, if we're looking at grand prix not including the sprint like they're two for two so max has won two grand prix sergio's won two grand prix and last year you know sergio was pretty handy up until uh, up until after monaco i would say when the car when the car started to kind of get developed away from him and they started to get it lighter and it it was a little more nimble for Max. It kind of it kind of suited Max's driving style a little bit more. And then when you look at this season, I mean, that car essentially is also tuned and built in and around for Verstappen, but I think I think Sergio has done like a really great job of turning that driving style around and you know for for myself watching that's a really hard thing to do for a driver you know like really adapting that driving style and, and changing kind of what you're naturally um you're naturally wanting to do so it's it's very tough to do that but it's been impressive to see him evolve and, and really do that considering like even what is what his age is right like i yeah like the older you get the harder that the harder that skill sort of becomes to develop daily it's really difficult well just let's put it this way he's been able to do with this car what guys like danny ricardo alex albon pierre gasly uh, they they weren't able to do right they were not able to wrestle this uh, this red bull or not not this one but previous ones that 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 a car was designed for max and sergio although he had like his his bumps along the way in the the first season there i mean he's done an exceptional job becoming one with that car and really adapting and extracting the maximum out of it i i don't think we can give that guy like enough like praise and 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 kudos for the work that he's done there yeah a hundred percent um and you know it's like i said it's it's the weekends like australia he's got to avoid that like just like has to avoid that needs to stay consistent because trying to go up against you know verstappen that's going to be very difficult for him to do it but i i think after watching today i am confident to say that i think he can push him for the championship i'm not saying that sergio can win the championship but i think he can push i think he can push max for for that championship and I guess, you know, if you're a viewer or a fan of, of Formula One, I mean, it's been okay to start off, like, but we would, we, we, we need that. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that, so, with, like, 
Checo versus Max is more like a Nico Rosberg versus Lewis rather than a Valtteri Bottas versus Lewis. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be spicy, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it would, would be point, good. I'd like term, it, right? Daily. It'd be good. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, your boys, Ferrari. So, uh, have some upgrades coming in the pipeline over the next few races, but nothing really, you know, aside from regular downforce packages that they do bring for Azerbaijan with the rear wing and et cetera. Uh, but nothing really too serious with this car for this weekend. But, um, I still don't think they know where, you know, they are in terms of their gap lap Delta to, to Red Bull. I still don't think they have a good grasp of where that is just, just yet. Um, like their straight line speeds impressive their one lap pace is is really good their race pace is horrible and tire management tire deg in the race is not good at at all um struggling mightily with that with that race pace uh so it was it was interesting to watch you know leclerc he's been very handy in Azerbaijan. <laughs> He's been very good there. Um, I just think that this this could have been... If they were able to figure out the race pace a little bit more, this, this could have been a higher finish for him. I mean, obviously getting Ferrari's first podium of the season and all. Yeah, I was just going to say, is, is P3 like a P1 for, for Charles? this weekend and and like you say i mean that like very much like uh, sergio this is a track that uh, charles has done pretty good at uh, over the years as well and i i think that uh you know he did what he needed to do on sunday i mean he was able to extract that top end speed out of the ferrari just to keep fernando at arm's length at times he got kind of sort of close enough but not really close enough to really get within drs range and, and really make like a, a real solid challenge, but I mean, still P4 for Fernando is is nothing to be uh, disappointed again uh, about. But then Carlos, I mean, he kind of wasn't really anywhere. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he, all he could really do was just get enough out of that Ferrari just to kind of keep Lewis just like far enough that uh, that when he did kind of gain an advantage, especially using like the DRS and those two DRS zones mm-hmm. that. He was still four, five, six car lengths behind that, you know, all he could really do was maybe hope that uh, that that Carlos maybe have a bit of a mistake and get it kind of sideways going in or coming out of a corner or something like that. And, and, And Carlos didn't. I mean, he drove a pretty like consistent race. It was kind of bland. I think he just kind of basically managed and kept his his nose clean and just did enough to keep um, you know himself in front of um, of Lewis, who clearly was at a disadvantage. So. You know, I, I guess it's the results, you know, a double top five finish for, for Ferrari where they've struggled at times is is good. But, I mean, it wasn't really, a, wow, that was an amazing finish for the Scuderia today. You know what I mean? It was kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's see what happens next weekend in Miami, right? I think it's going to be tough for them in Miami. I, I just think the, I just think the heat and the humidity – and the way that you know the tire degs for them but you know Miami did lay down some new surface for this race um coming up next weekend 
So I'm not too sure how well that's. I'm not too sure how well that's going to play into all of this for Ferrari. I mean, it depending on how much heat, you know, the pavement's going to soak up at the same time, right? Like if you look at the pavement in in Saudi Arabia and what they use there, it actually mm-hmm. does a great job of absorbing that heat, and it actually is a very kind pavement to the uh, to the tires. Uh, Miami last year, it was not. <laughs> oh, it good tore those tires all. to shreds last year. It was yeah, crazy. It was, it was bad. So yeah. for this this season, having repaved it, I'll be interesting to see what that's what that's like when I get there. But I I don't know. I think it's going to be tough for them in Miami daily. I think it's going to be tough for them until Imola at least. Yeah, I mean, the, the only reason why I see them in front of um, the, the, the Astons and the Mercedes this weekend, well, I mean, so I guess they've kind of, kind of been closer to the Mercedes so far this year than, than the Astons. I, I think that, you know, those long straightaways in Baku really played to that, their advantage. I think that when you get to some of these shorter tracks that, that aren't, you know, don't have these long straightaways, that uh, where they can really open it up, there's going to be a disadvantage for them until they can figure things out. And And I think... You know, unless something, you know, that they're able to uncork some unseen potential out of this car. This is really just like the development on last year's car. I mean, you know, Fred Vasseur just inherited what was there when he got there in the middle of the offseason around New Year's. So we're not really going to see his influence in the design of a car until next year. So this is... You know, I think it's a kind of see what you get year and, you know, maybe they get lucky here and there. But I think for the most part, you know, kind of what what, what we've seen through the first four races of the year is what we're going to see all season long from them. Um, let's talk about the uh, pit lane incident with. Oh, man. Crazy. Yeah. With Esteban Ocon, because that uh, that had potential to really be a disaster. Um, so. Last lap of the race, you know, photographers, um, media personnel, uh, you know, they they are allowed to be in pit lane on the last lap of of a Grand Prix, uh, where around where the the ceremony is usually uh, taking is going to be held and taking place, and usually you know there's there's um, crew there from the circuit to kind of set up where the barricades are that the cars are going to have to um stop and drivers are going to get out of the cars etc um where they you know where they were and i guess where photographers media personnel and personnel in general are are moving to is what I needs is what I think needs to sort of be policed or managed or controlled in some some form or or fashion. You know, hearing from the FIA, I heard from them following the race when they uh, when the stewards you know summoned um, the FIA representatives who are uh, in charge of of all of that down there during the uh, post race and and then. You know, getting a text from them following that saying that, you know, this is going to be something that they're going to have to look into and come up with a solution for the next event. Um, they're, they got away with one today, Daly. Oh, man, did they ever? 
I mean, I I was watching the uh, the Sky Sports uh, feed uh, for for this one, and you know the you know Crofty is talking to Ted Kravitz, who's in the pits, and they're talking about the fact that Hulkenberg had just uh, pitted a couple of laps from the end for his one and only pit stop from the race, and uh, they're they're talking about Esteban, who had also done 50 laps on a set of hard tires. And they're kind of speculating on the fact that it's like, you know, Alpine couldn't have forgotten to pit him. They know, and I mean, Otmar is a smart enough, uh, you know, wily enough uh, character oh, yeah. that that you knew that he, he must have been thinking something like this to get his guy in and out of the pits on the very fat last lap of the race. But you hear Kravitz talking about the fact that they're starting to throw up a barrier at the close-off pit lane. And, you know, I hate to, and, and it's a bad comparison to say it was like watching a car wreck in slow motion because they're talking about this thing like um, unfolding in real time and they go to that elevated camera at the end of pit lane so you're looking from the the pit lane from the opposite end from where the exit is like all the way up and you can see Esteban in there there's this huge crowd of people there with like the the official like FAA vests on for the different uh, photographers and whatnot and you literally see these people all jumping out of the way and and Esteban like laying on the brakes I'm just like, who's the one that did not realize that out of 20 cars or 17 cars or however many that were left at the time, that there was one car that still had to make the pit stop because they all have to have one mandatory pit stop during the race and they have to use both at least two different compounds of tires that somebody let that slip and was kind of like looking instead, okay, this is what uh, these people are allowed to do. This is where that they're, they're allowed to be. And it's more like they went by the book rather than, you know, the, what was happening out on the track, albeit extremely unorthodox. I mean, how often do we see a car come in on the last lap of the race for their first pit stop of the race? I certainly can't think of, uh, you know, like a, another example right off the top of my head. But it, it was just ridiculous, I mean, to see. I mean, there, there was probably easy 30, 40 people standing right up at that entrance to pit lane there. It was crazy. Yeah, I can give you, I'll give you my viewpoints on this from the, the two ways that, that I can kind of, you know, see it. You know, obviously, being a former driver, you know, that, that's, that's its perspective, but then working in the media covering formula one full-time is a is now a different perspective for me so you know when these grand prix are starting to come to a close or, or wind down and you're you're not in the media center you're usually you know you're out in the paddock or you're in and around pit lane and you're scrambling to get everything set up and ready to interview the drivers interview the team personnel cover whatever story you need to cover in that moment and all you can really see are tv screens you can see the race that's going on but you actually you don't really you don't get the finer details or the sound of like what's happening because it's as as one person it's really hard to cover 20 drivers 10 teams and an entire grand prix you know, on, on your own, you know, nobody, nobody can do it. Like you, it takes a big team. And so I can understand, you know, getting lost in those, those details. I can see that. Um, you know, it is easy to happen. I'll get, give you like an example from my own like career in, in sports media. And, but this is a little bit different because there's a whole bunch of people. I mean, you can go to like the, these big major league events and they're so very well choreographed and everybody knows where everyone is supposed to be. But sometimes it's easy to get to be, you know, 
beyond the wrong barrier. A number of years ago, I was covering the Rugby Sevens here in Vancouver, and one of the things that our media passes allowed us to, to do was we were allowed to have like touchline access, so we could sit up in the press box, we could go down to around the edge of the the, the, the field at BC Place, right with all the photographers and everything, see the action right up close. I can't remember which match it was going to be. It was like Fiji versus the All Blacks or something like that. So I was walking down there with one of my colleagues, and we we took the, what we thought was going to be the right turn. We ended up t- taking the wrong turn. We walked out the wrong entrance, and lo and behold, we're greeted by 50,000 screaming fans thinking that we were the All Blacks, whereas we're just a couple of numbskulls. <laughs> You know, with with the media passes, but it's a little bit different, though. That was our own mistake. This wasn't like that. You know, you've got a collection, a group of people that are there to start taking pictures and doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're kind of marshalling where they're supposed to be, and they're all of a sudden, okay, go and do what you need to do. At the same time, that a guy that's just doing two hundred miles an hour comes screaming into the pit lane to change some, you know, change his tires to try and get the best result. I mean, his race is still not over. I mean, his race is still a couple minutes left. Uh, before he comes back and and shuts that thing off so from it's a, just nuts yeah from nuts. a driver's i mean from a driver's perspective your you know your your mentality is is racing right you're pushing and like you said you're trying to get the best results possible for you and the team and that includes maximizing every moment of the race including coming into pit lane and you're hauling ass into pit lane, man. Sure, yeah. And you yeah. need a braking reference. Like, you need that to slow the car down so you don't go blowing past the pit lane speed limit line. Because if you do that, you know that you're going to get a penalty, right? So mm-hmm. having that reference there is crucial. And for Esteban Ocon, like, if, you know, and he mentioned this post-race, like, you blow that braking reference and this is a different outcome and it's good heads up driving um from from Esteban for sure uh to to notice all that to have the vision to see far enough ahead to make that reaction necessary and think about the driver and how dialed in they are like when they're coming down pit lane like they're they're doing 300 kph man yeah. And they're oh, trying yeah. to get down to like whatever it is, 80 or 60 or 80. whatever. Yeah. And think about your just that's like warp speed to no speed in an instant. And you've got like a crew of people, like a wall in front of you. And you need to make the right choice, like to to react. And, you know, instantaneously. Go, I, good, good for him. Good heads up driving. Um, you had mentioned that uh, you don't remember the last driver to do something like that. I think, and I, and I could be wrong, but I think it was Alex Albin in Australia in 2022. Yeah, it's it's not something that we, we see guys like quite often going to change like tires right at the end of the race to try and get like a fastest lap. But I mean, somebody going in for like their first like uh, pit stop of the of the race is uh, very unorthodox. And that race, Alex, I mean, that was that amazing race. Didn't he get what, what did he get a P nine or a P ten? Yeah, I think he got like P ten. Yeah, he got yeah, P10. I think he yeah. got P ten in that one. He scored points yeah. for the team. Which was yeah. amazing because that was just brilliant tire management with yeah. the you know with that Williams obviously wasn't a great car last year no. slightly improved this so year but bad. 
I mean, you know, it, it, it happens, but it's not very often. And I just can't imagine what was going through Esteban's head when he pulled into pit lane there. I mean, I, I guess as a driver, you're going to expect to see any number of things that could oh. happen out on the track, right? But of all the different variables, that Rubik's Cubes of things that you expect to see where you're strapped into the car, like a giant gaggle of people with cameras standing at the entrance to pit lane probably isn't nope. in your top 100 of things that I expect to see when I'm in the car today. Uh, just a horrible weekend for Alpine mm. uh, in, in general. Like it was. Oh man, don't remind me. I got them in my fantasy team. It's just like a... <laughs> I had hopes, man. I had Dude, hopes. It was bad. That was bad. I, I feel. Yeah. I feel bad for the team. They brought. Um, they brought upgrades, and I don't really think they got a chance to get a good understanding of what they actually have um you know obviously with gasly had his issues Ocon had his his issues on friday and you know Ocon starting from pit lane on sunday it just just brutal uh, pierre gasly coming home 14th Ocon coming home 15th and you know what it just hasn't been a great great start to this season for them i mean both of them took each other out in australia just it hasn't been what I think they wanted it to be, like to get off the stop, to get off the start. Well, you know, it has to be like a real low point for them four races into the season because not only do you have like that sorry laundry list of uh, you know wall of shame incidents uh, that that they've gone through so far this year, but on top of that, to compound it, maybe this is a wake up moment for 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 the team where they sit down and say, okay, we everyone we have to do better because despite all the stuff that's happened, I mean, at least they've been able to score some points and somehow they were still hanging on in the top five in the constructors. But this weekend, uh, that uh, that that is no more. McLaren has now taken that uh, that that fifth and final spot over in the constructors. I mean, they're they're still a, a country mile behind for behind behind Ferrari, but still, you could say at least, hey, we're we're top five constructors, even though you know you're only in front of Haas and Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, and Williams. But still, I mean, bragging rights are bragging rights, and that 100%. was just it was just bad, man. It was just yeah. bad. Um, Aston Martin, uh, it. Yeah, man. Alonso obviously was on a roll of three straight podiums. And then coming into this weekend uh, for the team, you know, having all those DRS issues that they had yes. and yep. Friday and, and Saturday. Um, the DRS, from what the team told me, working in from the uh, DRS activation and zone from turns uh, two to three. But the DRS not working on the start finish straights where that is a huge benefit. You're talking two, three tenths um, in and around there. And to not have that uh, weapon during well, qualifying look how good it worked for Red Bull, right? Oh man. That, well, Red Bull, their DRS is like another, you know, planet, but yeah, no, same, I mean, the example point, was like, the, when, when it's, when the DRS is working down that start finish straight, yeah. I mean, what a tool, what a weapon that is, yeah, man. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I think like yeah. for, for Aston Martin, like it, I think they, you know, I think they overachieved this weekend, to be honest with you. I honestly, I don't, you know, that both Lance and Fernando's car just not suited uh, for this track in Azerbaijan, there's just too much straight line speed. 
and the thing with the Aston Martin currently is it's it does have a lot of drag, and mm. it does go a little slower in a straight line, and then you add on top of that the DRS isn't working. It was funny, you know, listening to Alonso's post-race uh press conference stuff you know he was you know he said that like Charles Leclerc had gotten lucky with third in in, uh, in the race on Sunday uh, simply because the Aston Martins you know they were so strong in the race which was surprising to you know myself but it was also surprising to the team yeah, and I mean, sometimes, you know, you're not just good, you're also lucky. I think this is one that they probably go back to Silverstone or go to, go to Miami next week and say, guys, I think we, you know, we didn't really deserve that that many points. I mean, look at that one mistake that Lance had where he got uh, overtaken by, by, by Lewis. And yep. after that, he just kind of, kind of faded. Still, he, he managed to bring home uh, points. It was a top 10 finish for him. And then, you know, P4 for Fernando. Sure, that breaks his run of uh, podiums to start the season. But, you know, I mean... They're all points at the end of the season. You know, you're not really going to care. Like, you know, you know, you you take them how you get them is the is the the point. No pun intended. I'm trying to to, to get across. But was I the only person whose brain started to melt when Fernando got on the horn halfway through the race and said and said, tell Lance to use the same brake balance setup that I'm using? Because I'm sure that like there's any number of former Fernando teammates that are probably said after he said what during the race? Like, I mean, I'd love to see Lewis's like a reaction to that man that was that was just crazy like dude wow it was, like <laughs> it was funny what he said uh post post race I, i'm uh paraphrasing here but essentially he had said that like you know he um he he gave advice like that to teammates in the past it's just mm-hmm. that only this time formula one was being nice to him by broadcasting it <laughs> <laughs> You may, maybe they were, maybe they were, but I was just like, you know, maybe, maybe that's the thing, like like stuff like that for like, nice Fernando's never seen the light yeah. of day before, but uh, yeah. I thought that was a uh, you know a bit of an interesting thing because like I, I went back and just listened to that like a couple of times. It just you know, and the thing was he sounded happy about it. It wasn't like they were pulling that information out of him. It's just like he gave it of his own free will. I'm like that's that's pretty cool, man. Well, on the uh, on the I think it was Thursday, uh, Thursday evening. I think it was. Uh, it was Lance, Lawrence, and Flavio Briatori and Fernando. Or their, I think they all went out for dinner together. Um, and I think, like, honestly, like this is just at the moment. Obviously, you know, these two really like each other, and they work really well together. I would say, from my perspective, I would say that I think he, I think both of them work extremely well together think like older brother younger brother mm-hmm. so, so to speak um plus the fact that i think like lance is a pretty chill dude like, I, yeah. like that's not to say that i don't think he's yeah. serious about his his job like uh, like i think that i don't know I, I think it's just his mentality i think he's a very down-to-earth kind of guy like like i see lance and i see some of these like these other drivers and like they seem so corporate you know and like lance just to me he seems like a normal guy like i you know i could see and like you know be talking to like in the coffee shop or at uh, you know at work or what i mean he just seems like such a normal person compared to the rest of them yeah and i think you know fernando's known him for for so long and they've gotten along for for so long. i mean lance, fernando has known lance since he was like you know, just just a little kid in carts dude like he's <laughs> known awesome. lance for a long time because lance was a part of the ferrari um ferrari academy group when you know when lance was super young like 10 11 12 years old and fernando would see him around 
um, sometimes at the factory when Fernando used to race for Ferrari. And you know, I think like Schumacher is, is probably one of those drivers that, you know, Lance looks up to and same goes with, you know, Lewis in some cases. And I think for, for like for Fernando, I think he's, I think he's probably one of them as well. And I think to have him as your teammate, that's huge, man. And, and, factor in that you you guys get along i mean that's that's great i mean that's great for that's pretty cool that's great for aston martin um yeah i think stroll may have pushed uh, a little bit too hard on that hard tire stint in the opening frame of it i know that there were some tweets going on that it may have been the message that uh fernando had relayed about the brake brake balance and trying something different and then I think people thought that oh we tried it and then he he went off and Lewis overtook him. I I think actually he he might have had a little too much heat generated in that in that hard tire because turn 16 was giving him a hard time the entire race. Like he was getting a ton of understeer um at exit, like at entry exit and then sometimes it would turn into like a snap oversteer. It was really strange. Uh but for for him I don't necessarily think that he was going to catch Carlos. I, I think like he, he was either going to finish where he was or just in front of Lewis. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. It was just a, that that's the way like the, the, the writing on the wall just seemed to be that way for such a long time. I wasn't really too surprised. That's the way it, it played out at the end. Yeah. And I think they just overachieved with honestly, with the race for, for both, I think both Lance and Fernando did today, just overachieved with that car. Uh, the mm-hmm. Russell and Stroll pit lane incident was, was interesting. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. smart, man, from like, I didn't even know that rule. Like that's smart from George. Like he must know that rule book inside out, dude, because to have that awareness to know that you can, you can do that coming down pit lane. That's crazy, man. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that that was fantastic. I mean, and that's what what sets real champions apart. I mean, obviously George is not a champion yet, but I mean, was a champion and everything else he's pretty much driven in. Like, well, yeah, but you know, the the thing is, is knowing all these things that 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 you can use to your advantage, and then just like like use it, like pulling that out of like your your tool bag, like on like on a split second like that. Because I was looking at that, I'm like, surely there's going to be something about that. And I mean, it was interesting, too, because, like, they did say, like, it was noted. Race Control said it was noted. And then, like, pretty much as soon as that came up, like, on the race feed, as soon as that disappeared from the race feed, you know, the steward said, uh-uh, nothing to see here. No investigation necessary. Mm-hmm. What George did was was 100% legal. Yep. There, there was nothing wrong there. So, I mean, that was, you know, that was pretty impressive that he knew how to do that. And, and on the fly like that. That's That's pretty cool. Uh, McLaren, let's, uh, finish up on them. McLaren, uh, I don't, so they, they brought their first phase of, of upgrades to this car. There are going to be, uh, three fairly big phases. This one was a new floor and a new, uh, inlet to the tunnel. And I mean, there were points where I looked at it like, you know, this thing, may just be working here um for them uh you know i understand that the team weren't expecting a huge step forward with the new floor and i don't really think they're gonna know 
you know exactly if this floor has has worked like it's supposed to until they get a bit later into the season. I appreciate the fact though that Lando Norris is uh, pretty straight up about it because he said uh, following that uh, the race that he doesn't um, he doesn't feel any difference. You know, between mm. what they had previously to now, he said just that, you know, the oversteer is just a tiny bit less is one of the things that he had said. So I respect that uh, truthfulness daily. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like anything else. I mean, when, you know, they, they had like Zach was pretty upfront before the start of the year that they weren't anywhere close to where they wanted to be. And it was going to take yeah. a while before they got the upgrades on the car and to be patient to see, you know, like, um, you know, with the results that they were going to get. But I mean, still, I mean, Lando comes home P9 and after the first couple of races, I was just like, you know, especially on a track like Baku, are we really going to see like, like a big improvement? But still, I mean, Lando comes home in P9. His uh, teammate uh, Oscar comes home in P11 just outside of the points. You got Yuki right in the middle there taking the last uh, point um, you know, out of the championship mm-hmm. there in P10. But still, I mean, Oscar wasn't that far behind. He was only about six and a half seconds behind his teammate, about two and a half uh, behind uh, Yuki. So, I mean, if, if things worked out a little bit different, maybe both those cars come home in the, in the, in the top 10. So, like yourself, I appreciate the honesty fr- fr- from Lando, but... Maybe he's just being. Maybe he's being overly cautious, and but uh, like you say, it's 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 going to take them a couple of races, prob- you know, most likely to really figure out what they've got now that they've they've put these new upgrades onto the car, and and if it's going to do what they're expecting it to. But I, I think that you got to be, you know, be a, a little bit positive. There's there's got to be a silver lining here compared to the first couple of races yeah. of the season. I I don't think this is like completely horrible for mclaren like i say i mean they, they moved up to p5 in the constructors which is a moral victory if nothing else uh you got time for some twitter questions sure man let's right. go from uh at scorton 87 what are your thoughts on the george russell and max verstappen incident during the uh sprint on saturday i know we touched on it off of the top there uh daily but i think uh per- personally i I really liked it. I, I like I that we too. got a bit of beef, man. I, I'm here for it. And if there's, just keep it coming. Back that Brinks truck, truck of emotion up, baby. Just unload it. Yeah. You know, I, I love good hard racing as long as it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's fair. There's nothing dangerous. I mean, if these guys trade a little paint, so be it. I mean, it, we, we love the excitement and I don't see anything offside about that. I, th- I think it was great. It was exciting. And I mean, we did see some great uh, overtakes as well. The, the rest of the, uh, the, 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 the entire weekend, Lance's move on Alex during the sprint race. That was pretty good. Yeah. Fernando's move on Carlos Sainz. I think it was in the, the beginning of the race at T six there. That was, you know, place that we don't usually see too many uh, overtakes, but I mean, George and Max that gets uh, all the headlines and for all the right reasons, it was great stuff. More of it, please. Uh, uh, did you get a chance to watch the IndyCar race on Sunday? I didn't, sadly. That's on my PVR for what I would have watched later, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was some proper racing in IndyCar today, dude. It was spectacular. Uh, <laughs> one of the questions nice. we have is uh, from at Optimal Ocon. <laughs> he, I wonder who they're cheering for. They, yeah, they ask, uh, <laughs> does... Uh, does Marcus Erickson, so we're going to start with IndyCar on his question, on this person's question. Does Marcus Erickson have what it takes to hold on to the IndyCar championship lead this time around 
even without the help of a double points Indy 500 uh, win. I don't know how much... Have you been following IndyCar a lot this year, Dale? Just just a little bit. I mean, I've been really busy at work over the last couple of months. I just want to say in general that I really love the fact that, that, that Marcus Erickson has blossomed in IndyCar. Yeah. I mean, he was just like... And I don't want to be like overly, you know, mean or cruel to him. But I mean, he was kind of there in Formula One to kind of make up the numbers. And I was really pleased to see that when he made the move across the pond over here to North America, that things have worked out the way that they have for him. Yeah, I think, for it's, sure. I think it's great to see. Uh, I think he's look, I think it's it's taken him a while to learn and get up to speed. Um, but now that he has. Do I think he can hold on and win an IndyCar championship? Yes. This season, just he seems different. When I talk to him, he seems more confident and sure about himself. Watching him drive his qualies, uh, commanding races sometime, at times, he just has a different sort of you know look to him where... He just, I can just see that he's confident in what he's doing. And I think in, in IndyCar, you know, it's all about finishing and getting the points, man. It's like you don't want to get into it. You don't want to crash out of these races because, you know, grabbing points is the only way you're going to win this championship. I mean, you would be lucky if you're an IndyCar driver to win, you know, two, maybe three races in a season. And so you got to finish. And I think what he did on Sunday... He was great, and he did exactly what he needed to do. The weekend just wasn't going in his direction, but he was still able to make it work. I mean, that's that's Marcus Erickson learning from learning from Scott Dixon daily, learning learning from the best. And it's great that you know he's got Scott Dixon as a as a teammate because that is a very well. Who wouldn't want Scott Dixon as a teammate? Yeah, hundred percent. From at mkuk underscore three. Why do I feel as if Red Bull is disappointed with the Checo's win? With Checo's win. <laughs> well, like like you 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 so correctly mentioned like a uh, you know Christian's un, you know, unconscious Max bias slipping out there about like the safety car. I think that kind of says it all, man. Like, yeah, it's just kind of like uh, you know. Well, I guess there's any number of like uh, comparisons you could make, but yeah, it's just like uh, could you be disappointed about like the guy that you don't well, you know maybe wasn't the one that you wanted to win, but yeah. how could you not be happy? for Checo, man. Come yeah. on. I I man, I hope they let these two race and I hope like I said Me Sergio too. can stay consistent because yeah, I'd I'd love to see Checo battle for a championship and win a championship. That'd be awesome and then like mm-hmm. think of his fans, like his fan following, man, is crazy. <laughs> Well, one of my best friends awesome. is Mexican. So good. And for all the years that we've known, like we've known each other, we knew we, we've known each other. We used to do a soccer podcast together, so that's where his passion is. But ever since Checo moved to like Red Bull, I mean, he's texting me all race weekend long. It's just like <laughs> it's awesome. He's just like, and, and he knows that like half my like my background, my mom's side is Dutch. And he's just like, man, you better not be cheering for Max. It's like you got to cheer for like Checo. It's just like he's very, very. He's he's obviously very team Checo. So you know. <laughs> Awesome. It's I, cool. I, it's I love love the passion, man. Love it. Me too. Um, Me too. From at Austin Con 4, do the IndyCar yellow flags need to be reworked? If there's a yellow flag scenario, it shouldn't wait, or I guess he means they shouldn't wait, to call it due to pit strategy for certain cars. 
It's a good question. I actually was thinking about this earlier today, but this is something that they've done for a very long time. Like, this isn't new. So, I mean, teams just have to adjust. Drivers used to complain about the yellow flag and pit opening uh, scenario a lot in the past, but they don't anymore because you just have to roll with it. Some days it's going to work in your favor, some days it isn't, and in my opinion, it actually has spiced up IndyCar even more and made it like a juggernaut on track. I, Daily, I've said this on this podcast before, I think IndyCar is the best racing, like the best on-track on track entertainment in the world for racing. It's the best racing in the world, I think. You know, when it just comes to, to stuff like that, you know, not having the benefit of watching a lot of IndyCar this year, I'm just going to say that when it comes to things like that, the actual management of the race, I just like to see consistency. I mean, like a couple of years ago, remember in Formula yeah, One, good point. you didn't know from race to race how yeah. they were going to call track limits, and, and nothing drives people crazier, either in the car, yep. in the pit lane, or in the grandstands, or at home on the couch watching on TV, is, you know, how is, you know, it's just call it, the, you know, come up with a rule and just just call it the same way yeah. every single weekend, you know? Yeah, so. that's a great point that you make. Um, consistency, I think, is is what us as the fans want to see, but consistency is also what the drivers want to see. So if the stewards are going to call something one way, and you got to make sure you're calling that exact same thing that same way for the rest of the season, man. Um yep. Mark, this has been uh, this has been good, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Let everybody know where they can find you and uh, what you got going on. Yeah, so we uh, we are the Scootery F1 podcast. We usually have uh, two shows a week. Myself and uh, Mark Hamilton. You can find us on Twitter at Scootery F1 Pod. On Apple Pod, Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you uh, enjoy your podcasts, we're there, and uh, we're up for this. Uh, we, we love racing just as much as you. We, we, we wish we could do more, but unfortunately, life gets in the way sometimes. But uh, this was fun, man. Always enjoy uh, popping on the pod here and, uh, and talking Formula One and, and everything with you. Yeah, it's great seeing you, dude. It's been a while. You too, man. You should do this more it's, often. It has. It, it has been. Uh, I'm Tim Haraney, everyone. Thanks very much for listening and watching. Sorry I didn't get to do too much IndyCar uh, in this podcast. Uh, it's going to be a busy week coming up. Heading to Miami to cover the Grand Prix. Um, so we're going to have a lot of stuff in Formula One coming out on all the platforms. So it's going to be pretty awesome on that end. I'll get back into the IndyCar swing of things uh, when we come back. Uh, but other than that, please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. And a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts. Write a review. It really helps us grow the show. If you want more from me, you can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. And we'll talk to you all later.